if you have your Bible, like Peter said, turn to Matthew chapter 4, verses 13 to 14. If you don't have a Bible, we have provided um, hardcover black Bibles um, in front of you. And if you are using those Bibles, it will be in page 857. That's page 857. God's word as it comes to us from Matthew chapter 4, verses 13 to 14. He, that being Jesus, left Nazareth and went to live in Capernaum by the sea, in the region of Zebulun and Naphtali. This was to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah. I invite you to pray with me. God, we ask that you would give us wisdom from above and give us the eyes of faith so that we might see Christ for who he truly is. It is in his name we pray. Amen. Amen. The third richest person in the world has a net worth of $168.2 billion. With his company fulfilling as many as 1.6 million orders a day. I'm, of course, talking about Jeff Bezos and his company, Amazon. Could you imagine? This is a little bit ridiculous to imagine, but imagine for a moment if one day Mr. Bezos decided and took it upon himself to deliver every single order placed through his website. I'm sure with the holidays coming up, um, this is at the front of our minds. I couldn't think of anything more ineffective and more foolish for this leader of this organization to be doing with his time and his effort. And yet tonight, our goal in reading this passage is to catch a glimpse of how the most powerful being in the universe, infinitely more wealthy and powerful than Jeff Bezos, how this most powerful being fulfills his promise. In doing so, we will consider Jesus as a personified deliverer. Personified deliverer. That'll be point number one. And point number two will be is that we will ponder the nature of his deliverance. That is, it is spiritual in nature. It is a spiritual deliverance. So we have a personified deliverer and a spiritual deliverance. The main idea for us tonight is to see Jesus as the promised light who delivers those in darkness. See Jesus as the promised light who delivers those in darkness. See, what we have here in Matthew 4 is a prophecy. And what's a prophecy if not God's promise? Um, Popular opinion would tell you a prophecy is a best guess. But the Bible tells us otherwise. Uh, A prophecy is not our best guess. It is God's guarantee. Prophecy, you'll be able to read in verse 16 if you look down. But this is a direct quotation from the book of Isaiah chapter 9, verses 1 to 2. 
And in this prophecy, the, the context of this prophecy is explaining this, this time in history where the region of the kingdom of Israel, this particular region mentioned here, experienced a great deal of destruction at the hands of Assyrian invaders. PJ went in through uh, great lengths of explaining that to us this morning. I'm not going to do that this evening. And yet, they received a promise of a great deliverance that was sure to follow. So with that, let's look at point number one, a personified deliverer. What's interesting about this, uh, these two verses is it, it immediately follows the news of John the Baptist being arrested. And it's significant because in those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness, repent because the kingdom of heaven has come near. And here we see Jesus leaving Nazareth, going to live in Capernaum to do what? In verse 17, from then on, Jesus began to preach, repent because the kingdom of heaven has come near. What does this mean for us? When it came time for God to fulfill his promise, his promised deliverance, God was no longer, he was done sending another prophet. Instead, he was gonna send his own son in the person of Jesus. God sent his own son, Jesus, not only to be born like the Christmas story or to die like the crucifixion and rise again, but in between that, he came to live a full life. God in Christ, in the person of Jesus Christ, subjected himself to a childhood. When I mention this leaving Nazareth is because he grew up in Nazareth. He had a childhood. Kids, Jesus had a childhood. And, and what you can take away from that is he knows and understands you, no matter how young you are. Jesus had to obey his parents. He had to tell the truth and he had to play fair. And yet in his adulthood, we see Jesus came not as a businessman or a doctor or a politician. He came as a preacher with a message. So this fulfillment of this prophecy, it signals a very different deliverance than what the Jews of that time would have expected. Let's consider the nature of that deliverance now. Point number two, a spiritual deliverance. You know, Jews in Isaiah's time, or even in the Old Testament, would have taken this to mean a physical, political salvation from their Gentile, from these outside oppressors. Again, in Isaiah's audience, this would have meant the Assyrian Empire. But in Matthew's audience, this would have meant the Roman Empire. Those were the, the foreigners who were oppressing their uh, way of life, the community. And here we see that the fulfillment, instead of a physical, political salvation, it plays out completely different. We see clues of this in Jesus leaving Nazareth. Again, his hometown comprised primarily of Jews. And in his hometown, where it's comprised of this people group, he was rejected for his teaching. He was driven out of his hometown. And he goes on to live in Capernaum which is, in contrast, a major city. It was even once known as the Galilee of the Gentiles. He goes to this major city that is now occupied by a mixed population of both Jews and Gentiles. And what does this tell us? It tells us that Jews and Gentiles who were historically alienated at best and enemies at worst will both be recipients of this deliverance. So for the Jews, it no longer meant just freedom from the Gentiles, 
but reconciliation between all Jews and Gentiles who enter into Jesus' kingdom. That's why he says, he preaches, repent because the kingdom of heaven has come near. And let me say this here. If you are here tonight and you are not a Christian, thank you so much for being here. I'm sure there are countless other things you could be doing, other ways you could be uh, spending your time on a Sunday evening. But like me, you probably struggle to feel the weight of being occupied by a foreign nation, um, being subjected to a foreign ruler, disrupting every aspect of your life. But like me, you may also feel the longing for a good ruler who wields his authority for the benefit of all those under him. If that's you, this is what the Bible says about God's design. It was meant to be like that. God creating, he was, he is our good ruler. See, the bad news is we were the ones who rebelled against his good rule. Sin's rule and reign over your life right now runs deeper than you could ever imagine. You're not a sinner because you sin. You sin because you're a sinner. Sin's rule and reign runs deep because sin is self-rule. You have chosen to rule over your life. And rather than coming under the good and rightful rule of your creator, you've chosen to live for yourself or for others, for work, for money, for fame, for glory. This is what makes us sinners rightly deserving of God's judgment. There's good news. God sends his son, in the person of Jesus, to be the light at the end of this darkness. He lives a life of perfect obedience to the Father's rule, the life that we ought to have lived. He lives in perfect submission, even to the point of dying in our place. He lives in such perfect righteousness that he could not remain dead. He, he is alive. And by placing our faith and trust and hope in his work, we too can be saved. See, those living in Capernaum saw the promised great light in their day. Those prophets in Isaiah, those living in Capernaum were the first to see that promise. And you can as well. If only you would see Jesus as such today. Now, if you're a Christian, what does this mean for us? If you're a member of Bethany Baptist Church, what does this mean for us? If you're a member of another church and you're visiting us tonight, thank you for being here. What does this mean for us? Those who are in the kingdom, those who have already seen great light. Praise God. Praise God you have seen the great light in his son. Praise God that he, that he speaks. He speaks through prophets in this day and he speaks to us in his word today and he speaks and does not he does not remain silent concerning the salvation of our souls praise god that he is faithful he is trustworthy he keeps his word he keeps his promise christian this means maybe it's time for us to renew our marvel at jesus humility for taking on a human nature. Jesus had to move, he had to move homes. And in his life, in his, this full life that he lived, 
He lived it with perfect righteousness. What does that mean? It means he understands our joys and sorrows more deeply than any of us here ever could. And because this is true, because he understands our joys and sorrows more deeply than we ever could, and trust all your highest hopes and deepest sorrows to him. No one will understand the human experience better than Jesus will. Jesus is the only true great light that can fully dispel the darkest of darkness. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you for sending your son. We thank you for this season where we are confronted by this truth more than any other month um, in the year. But also we're confronted with this every Sunday that we gather together to celebrate your risen son who could not remain dead because he remains sinless even to the end. Help us to renew our joy, our hope, and even our confidence um, in this Christ, in this promised light that you have given to us in your son. We pray this in his name. Amen.